Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Cousin Connection Podcast. And today, we have a special guest. He is a world-renowned author, Harari uh, historian, uh-huh. and um, he does... He's my cousin. <laughs> nephew. Introducing... <laughs> nephew. <laughs> introducing Hassan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I feel like you could have went on for a little bit longer, but it's okay. I I, I blanked for a minute there, okay? okay. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was kind of like right out the, the gates there. But, you know, thank you again for coming and listening to this special episode of the Cousin Connection Podcast. Episode... Volume two. two. Volume, volume two. two. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Volume two, appropriately titled, mm-hmm. of uh, a series, maybe a series, you know, if he's going to come up with more books, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, of a series of episodes. So we've TV had TV. him last year? I think it was last year. This time year. last year, right? Yeah. Like, no, it was around like March. Yeah, it was yeah. a little bit yeah. earlier than last year. Mm-hmm. We you had guys Hassan loved on. that episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's been helping yeah. to preserve our culture and he did that with his first book which was centered around uh wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. um and now thankfully he's continued you know after all the trials and tribulations which we might get into we don't know we'll see <laughs> he <laughs> has, volume two he has persevered and came out with Here a second volume now called Harari. Uh, well he's first off it's threads of memory okay. that's yeah. that's the overall uh, what is the, That's the project's name? The project's yeah. name, mm-hmm. but the second book now is called Volume Two: Social Institutions, mm-hmm. which kind of goes into um, like the different ceremonies that we have around um, significant events that happen, like for all people, but how we deal with them mm-hmm. in our culture. In our culture, whether whether it's um, am I speaking too much for you? No, you're good. Okay, you're good. Whether, yeah. <laughs> whether it's related to like uh, a death in a family or a birth in the family. Um, and that's as far as gotten in the book yet. Okay, I'm only halfway through at this point. <laughs> I was just going to say the first chapter summarizes what you just said beautifully. From oh, the and also wedding ceremonies. Yeah. yeah. C- cradle to the grave. Say oh. that again. Say Close that again. enough, though. That was pretty good. Well, say, say that again. I, other words. I like that better. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know. to the tomb. <laughs> I cut you off there. What was that? Mo- okay, he said it for us. But yeah, no, I thought it tomb. was womb to the tomb, but it's actually cradle to the grave. <laughs> Oh, no, Womb to the Tomb sounds a little more scary. It does, does it? Yeah. But it does sound, it has more of a ring to it because it rhymes. Womb to the Tomb. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I and it. It also, guys, it's like 50 degrees in this room. We have construction going on around us in the house. So there might be random noises going on uh, throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And you already saw, as you've seen, it's, I'm already sweating here. So, yeah. Oh, good. you feel it now? Huh? You feel it now? Oh, I definitely feel it now. Okay. I felt it before, but like I was trying to play you know you're trying tough, to play it cool play it cool mm-hmm. literally yeah. yeah but it is not working <laughs> it's all good it's all good yeah so um what, what how should we start this off um let's start off with the the inspiration behind the topic for volume two like where did that i know that you started off with the wedding ceremonies yeah. um you know some may say because it's probably a popular topic mm. as we know 
summers typically speaking our wedding season exactly so it came out at the perfect time what um what was the inspo behind picking social institutions as your second topic that's a pretty good question um and i think like with the timing Mm -hmm. we're not really intentional with it in that sense like we just write 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 and when Mm -hmm. it's ready we publish kind of thing so i think with volume one we lucked out yeah a lot because the time it got published um was perfect for wedding season Mm -hmm. and you know it was right after covid and like it was a very pretty big project for everyone Mm -hmm. and it got a lot of hype um but with the actual structure of the project and the contents of the book there's a lot of thought that goes behind that mm-hmm. um even before like we started writing volume one uh I, I planned out five series right so like the structure of the five books are already written kind of thing mm-hmm. um and initially the one i wanted to do first was what is supposed to be volume four Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be based on the kings and queens of Hutter. You heard it here first, guys. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But um, that was always like my passion, like preserving yeah. those stories, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I feel like when it comes to weddings or like cultural ceremonies, those are things we still see mm-hmm. to some extent, not as much. Yeah. yeah. But the stories of the kings and queens, like, it's so hard to find, mm-hmm. right? Like, even our parents don't really know much about them other yeah. than, like, stories here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll find documents, but it's kind of hard to find consistent stories about them that are um i guess accurate historically right mm-hmm. so that was the first one i wanted to do but you know um the, i wrote volume one with um nader and hamdi nader mm-hmm. from toronto and hamdi sadi from uh, melbourne mm-hmm. and you know we had that discussion saying like we want to be intentional uh with how we go about things mm-hmm. in a way that has the most impact right mm-hmm. like we're going to put all this work and why not just make it in a way that people benefit from it yeah mm-hmm. so we kind of agreed that weddings would be the first, uh, would be a good start because mm-hmm. everyone kind of finds a hype from a weddings kind of thing. They can relate to it. They already saw it, mm-hmm. but no one really knows the meaning behind our wedding ceremonies. Yeah. Right. right? And like, like the different steps that probably exactly. aren't practiced anymore. Yeah. A lot of them are forgotten. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like after I wrote volume one, I went to Hutter mm-hmm. and I met with a professor there, like who actually like documents like Huttery history. Yeah. And and I wish like his, his work was more easily available for everyone because it's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And we went over volume one together mm-hmm. and he was pointing out like a lot of things that are not done today that were not included in the book. Mm-hmm. Right. So like even like volume one as thick as it was, like yeah. there's so many that's done behind the scenes that we really don't know about anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole purpose of this project. Like mm-hmm. these stories, not everyone has the privilege of being able to sit down with their elders and um, get the wealth of information they have. Mm-hmm. And when I when I use the word privilege, it's either because not everyone speaks the language to be able to talk to them, yeah, or two, not everyone has access to elders because I feel like our older generation are hard and harder to find, mm-hmm. um, especially living in the West. Yeah. Yep. So I guess like to sum up uh, the answer to your question is like <laughs> we, we, we structured f- uh, five books in the series mm-hmm. um, and we are trying to be strategic as to how we publish them yeah. to have the most impact in the community. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a, okay, now we did this, we're going to do this. Like you already had it all planned out. Yeah. It's just when you come out with each version. Exactly. Mm. And like the writing process too, right? So yeah, like how fast we can research, um, review and right it mm-hmm. determines when the books come out yeah um like, like i said like i wish we were intentional like i like i was saying in 2024 in february mm-hmm. right. volume three will be launched but like uh, due to like our capacity like we just yeah. go by whatever is ready we, we publish yeah and did the pro- how much did the process because like okay you came out the first volume yeah you you know went through all the growing pains of that mm-hmm. so like how much of that 
carried over to the second book? Like, how much changed? Uh, was it? Did your process change that much when it came to making the second book? It changed a lot. It changed a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because volume one was a COVID project, mm. right? Like n- no one's working. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you're working, but no one's going to work. Everyone's yeah. at home. Yeah. And no one's going out, so you have all this time to kill. Mm-hmm. And it started off with me just like you know putting that information together that i've been like collecting for quite some years mm-hmm. and then it's like well i have friends who who write mm-hmm. right and i have friends that speak gaysanan and know their history yeah so like i reached out to them and was like can we do this together and like it grew into what it was yeah so it was a very smooth process in my opinion mm-hmm. volume one like even though like while i was going through it like i felt like there was a lot of hiccups kind of thing mm-hmm. but volume two kind of seemed to be more of a challenge mm-hmm. and i think it's because it was right after COVID that we started working on it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of walked in with the same same expectations that yeah. availability will be the same and I'll have the same free time to work on yeah. and stuff, uh, which I quickly got humbled. And, um, <laughs> and it, came, it came across like I feel like um, we had a bigger team of, with volume two. Mm-hmm. Um, volume three, volume one was more so like three people yeah it's uh, the two co-authors and the project coordinator was myself yeah um and then volume two it's again two authors mm-hmm. the project coordinator but like we had like six or seven uh researchers to help us out as well too six or seven researchers yeah quite oh a few. like people who'd go out to because i guess when you're dealing with it's almost like you're doing because wedding ceremony is so like specific it's it's just one thing you're mm-hmm. you're focusing on yeah but when you're dealing with like social institutions that includes wedding ceremonies so it's like you're doing the first book but like five times over and putting that into one yeah book. basically and being <laughs> yeah. able to summarize it and make it concise so like it's not yeah. too um i guess too much of a laborious task to read yeah. yeah yeah and with the weddings um i feel like some may disagree but like i feel like to, to the most part it's like mm-hmm. it's it's uh documented and, and not documented but like it's preserved by our moms like yeah. our, our mm-hmm. parents generation yeah because they're uh, at least in toronto and the hattery you know mm-hmm. dense ar- areas of, of the world like yeah. they know the songs they know that the the, the uh, ceremonies and everything mm-hmm. um so i only needed like three resources mm-hmm. right um to to write that book or three elders to to interview to mm-hmm. write that book but like when it came to social institutions, that was a, a lot harder. Yeah. Because um, a lot of that stuff, like it, it's it's more forgotten than the wedding ceremonies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're not as um, are they not as practiced frequently practiced, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, with volume one, where we had three elders that we interviewed mm-hmm. to get the same amount of richness in in, in information, mm-hmm. I had to have ten elders to, to interview yeah. for, and they're already hard enough to find. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you know, a few of them are in Australia, a few of them are in Toronto, mm-hmm. two, three of them, two or three of them are in. Uh, a distant hutter. Yeah. So like we really had to like make an effort to find elders like from different kind of backgrounds mm-hmm. so that we get a, a holistic information. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the I guess barriers or not barriers but bumps that we had to get over because mm-hmm. when a lot of it's oral history, yeah, or oral traditions. So the way we kind of did is that with the seven researchers that we had and they're all volunteers and you know I couldn't thank them enough because the project wouldn't be possible like without them. without them right mm-hmm. um so after like searching and then there's another one in edmonton another elder mm-hmm. but like after like creating my roster of elders um i guess the next barrier we, fa- we face is that one or two people cannot interview all these people yeah it's gonna take months on in right yeah 
So by, and I'm sure a lot of people saw it, is that we advertised on Instagram that we needed uh, uh, to build our team. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of people interested in and submit, submit and unfortunately we couldn't choose everybody, yeah. but we were able to choose like the, the top seven that um, was... Um, that we saw fit. Yeah, they were and capable of doing what you needed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they would interview uh, two elders each. Mm-hmm. How do you decide who you want to be interviewed? Like who you want to be interviewed for the book? Like who? how did you decide on the elders? Um, so one thing is like how accurate the information they're providing us mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So like they had to be someone who 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 lived in that environment right yeah mm-hmm. um so someone who was born in hutter and was raised in hutter or or a descent like was like spent a lot of time around hurry people yeah because you know we do have a lot of elders that left because of the war mm-hmm. and may have been a bit disconnected from the yeah um, right? so they're kind of like just your memory can be a so little good. fuzzy sometimes especially exactly. when the older you get so exactly. i'm guessing they would be like they would ask an elder some one thing about like a social institution or like some uh practice mm-hmm. and it would ask the same thing to another one you kind of have to like cooperate and see like exactly how things line up that's what we mm-hmm. had to do like oh. like i took we took everyone's notes yeah. um yasmin bakri uh sadr during myself mm-hmm. and we basically put it all in one document and we color coded it right so like mm-hmm. color black was sabriali your brother <laughs> and uh color uh red was like so and so right and yeah. then afterwards we w- we would find the common like information that's been uh, shared by all the elders mm-hmm. and then we would find the outliers as well too right yeah. and then the outliers we kind of put it aside and write the book based on the uh common like information that we yeah. find throughout this uh, like that are consistent yeah. so that's how you were like fact checking it fact checking mm-hmm. you know because it's it's unlikely that 10 elders will all have the same information wrong mm-hmm. yeah right um and then the outliers we had to do more research yeah it's because all because it's an outlier it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong yeah like you might come back to maybe the other elder and be like hey someone said this and maybe that elder just left it out because they forgot and yeah. then when you remind them they'll be like oh yeah yeah that we actually do do that so that's and they will build on it right? yeah and i think for me that's where i learned the most mm-hmm. from this project yeah because all these things oftentimes the outliers are things that are forgotten mm-hmm. that not everyone knows about yeah and like when you hear about them and like you actually like uh hear the reasoning why beh- why, why it's not practiced like mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a learning experience for me which yeah. I enjoyed yeah going into the volume 2 uh what was the like most surprising or maybe the one that you knew least about that um surprised you in this project like i i didn't go through the whole thing yet but yeah. like uh i'm sure we all know a lot of the steps that go in like in a mutagar or uh, like do you know all the steps no involved in a mutagar no? i think that's probably the chapter that surprised really? me really yeah, that and the uh, i think one of the chapters I enjoyed the most, yeah, writing was Afochigar. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. but the the one where I felt like I learned the most mm-hmm. uh, is the Amuta and the Haraskar. Okay. By the way, guys, Amutagar is a like um, a funeral funeral, funeral ceremony, funeral mm-hmm. gathering. Yeah, funeral That's gathering. But uh, no, the reason I I initially said because that one's most common is because like we go um, to a lot of them. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of it is related to, to religion. religion as yeah. well right mm-hmm. so i feel like we've kind of learned a lot of these things because when i was going through that chapter at least like i was like okay these are like very these are just following the religious steps for the exactly. most part right um, but, um a lot of information at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. i found that really intriguing and like actually like mapping out in my head and actually writing that part was yeah. very interesting for me because there's so much that that was done that's not done anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. they do it to a certain degree in in, in Hutter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, like we know the actual Amuta ceremony. Once you know the deceased is buried, mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto we just go to the community center and we do the Amuta ceremony, right? Yeah. yeah. 
But that's basically like the beginning of the Amuta ceremony according to the actual cultural protocol. Mm-hmm. There's also, there's like 10 other Amuta sittings after that. Yeah. 10? I'm exaggerating, but like okay. around it. So there's like the Wahri Fatah, right? Mm-hmm. Where you do um, another Amuta a month after the person is deceased. That, uh, like we've, I've seen our family, like usually it's close family that does that though. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. like a community not gathering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like that I, I knew, but I just thought it was like, like when I saw that my family did it at one mm-hmm. point, I was like, "Oh, that's nice!" Like you guys are remembering the, the dead, person, like right. mm-hmm. yeah. But I didn't think it was like actually a cultural thing. It's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. Ahli Fatah, where after a certain amount of time, the family, uh, close family, gets together and there's a Fatah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Zahdain Tain Fatah, which is on the ninth day of the ceremony. So they do the first one. Mm-hmm. Nine days mm-hmm. after, they do it again. Yeah. And then there's Amuta Karabu, which I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. What's that? Like a Molud type of thing? Basically. Mm-hmm. I've done that, but uh, not me personally, back but back home, yeah. Because I've never like seen, I've seen one video recording of it like mm-hmm. back 10, 15 years ago. Where they do like Sadak on behalf, like they do, uh, yeah. what's Sadak, a charity? Mm-hmm. Like they'll slaughter an animal on behalf of a person and then the person. elders gather and mm-hmm. there's a drumming ceremony. Yeah. right. And Just I, drumming? No, like drumming, but like there's certain like uh, specific like zikri? Zikri, specific zikris related oh. to Amutara song. Oh, mm-hmm. And okay, it's to remind people that. of death. And usually, apparently, this is done for mm-hmm. when an elderly person passes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right? it was from my baba. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it done here, though. Yeah. Where yeah. they do that type of thing. No, I don't think. I, maybe sometimes at the center, they might do stuff like that. Oh really? But uh, it was more yeah. general, very general. Yeah, it's very just general. Basic amuta ceremony exactly. where yeah. they read the thirty chapters of the Quran and mm-hmm. then they do their salawat and people eat and go home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the this. I know we're still on that chapter, but like the surprising part for me was that like the whole washing and all that stuff takes place in the house. Yes, in the nadebagar, which is what? like your living room essentially, or like not nadebagar, but like it takes place in the um in the nadebagar, but the teeth nadeba or like yeah. Huh? No. No. It's the Nadabaga, but the Teet Nadaba. So the smaller platform. The yeah. shorter one that's yeah. usually like by the, what is it, the right side of the door? I believe so. Uh, I, I Actually, I, I re- <laughs> we learned that. <laughs> did Remember we? when we did the tour of the Adagar? Oh, okay. Maybe I forgot that And they that said part. the reason why it's lower is so that it's easier to get the body to and from. Okay. Oh my God, I actually remember yeah. that. Yeah. So the body is usually washed and prepared in the house that they pass yeah. away in or in their house. Yeah, and when we say Nadeba, it's like the living room, essentially. It's like yeah. the middle if of the living room. If you guys remember when we went to Ethiopia and we talked all about it, mm-hmm. um, we talked about like Nadeba is kind of like a platform in the main living yeah. quarters of the like, they have typical like Harari different household. Pla- they have one small one in the, in the middle, mm-hmm. and then they have a level a level above that. You know, they have like multiple different yeah. levels. I think there are five, aren't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, wow, our culture is really rich. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like deep. taking that in right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was the one that surprised me from that chapter mm-hmm. uh, as I was going through it. It's because you're used to, like, here, obviously, mm-hmm. going to mosque. probably get arrested if you try to wash a dead body in your house. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the uh, our mosques here in Canada, a lot of them, or Toronto, or North America in general, mm-hmm. I think you have to have a certain license, though. In order really? To, or, like, yeah. a space for it. Yeah, you can't just... Not every mosque can uh, wash deceased bodies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's like, why... They have to have, like, the the room for it yeah right mm-hmm. um and so like i've never ever heard of someone washing a dead body like in their own house it's always at a mosque mm-hmm. i guess yeah because it makes sense they have to i think they have they have to transfer the body from the hospital yeah. to like a designated spot mm-hmm. that's uh and certified training. to do that and trained mm-hmm. to do that in the book do you talk about the uh, the 
like the actions of washing and shouting or you don't get into oh, it? Oh, yeah. We do. And, and then that's one of the parts like we had to go to the drunk table and like discuss and, and plan out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because the Hari culture, as cultural as it is, it's also very religious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And like it's hard to find that sweet spot where you're, you're, you're not... Um, how do I say this? You didn't want to come off as preachy? Yeah, because like... It's one and the same in the in the point because I feel like our forefathers there's actually like a culture practice where the forefathers throughout history they mm-hmm. would come together and they would intentionally make these traditions. It's not like randomly some guys decided to do this and like it became the culture, mm-hmm. right? They would intentionally make these these decisions and make sure that it's it's in alignment with the, the religion. Mm-hmm. And whenever a new culture would come mm-hmm. and that was that wasn't aligned with the religion, everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Again, these the, these elders will come and meet again, and they will discuss it and say, "Is this something we're going to keep, or is this something we're going to get rid of?" Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. So there's a lot of things that were considered like cultural practices and hurry people that are no longer done anymore, right. mm-hmm. because the forefathers actually agreed on that. This is not what we're going to do. This is not. This does not represent our identity. Yeah. Mm. Um, and when you take a look at, and again, this is more so volume three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you take a look at um, what's done in Ashura, uh, Ashura was basically two, three, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Right. The cultural song that they sing, Belashawati um, or Shatu um, Itasabar, uh, that was actually written by the forefathers of Hutter. Mm. Right. And the reason why it's done is because there are certain things being done in the culture around that time that they didn't approve of. Yeah. So the, the, the way they counteracted that is by creating this culture ceremony to kind of guide people back to what it means to be Gesu and Muslim. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, it was surprising to me or like one thing I didn't know was technically like a Hadari tradition was Barchagar. You didn't I, know that was a Hadari tradition? I did not. I always thought Barchagar was like 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 oh they're doing barcha you're like it's very it, casual yeah it's very yeah, casual right. right but i didn't know like in, it was an, there was an actual like cultural backing behind it yeah significance mm-hmm. to it. i i thought it was like a translation being like oh yeah they're hangout spot or something yeah yeah <laughs> if i'm gonna be honest like with that i, I would use the word tradition loosely okay. like we, we included <laughs> yeah. in the book because it became part of the culture of like you know yeah. of getting to know people and socializing mm-hmm. and it really fit with the social institutions theme yeah um but yeah it is something that happens and then over the years like things were incorporated into the budget guard that made it more cultural mm-hmm. than leisure like what for example um so sometimes like there's there's a bit of um, a crossover between the afocha god responsibilities and the budget god responsibilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like the way i like to look at it is that the afocha god is an official institution that's established uh for social needs of the mm-hmm. people of Hara, mm-hmm. right and you're you're either like a designated member or you're not yeah whereas the budget god is more so like is people that know each other to come together mm-hmm. and they unofficially uh address these social issues mm-hmm. right either by talking about it or you know someone may may overhear that so-and-so is having a hard time so they discuss how can we help that person and stuff yeah mm-hmm. so it's more of a passive way of addressing uh, addressing things and mm-hmm. but the primary goal of a budget god is just to socialize and to get to know people and you know take the stress of life 
uh, off of each other by just uh, you know shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Fortune God is more of an official institution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, the Fortune God have a specific purpose of coming together. How would you guys? I define always thought a Fortune God was like only for women. No, men can have a fortune. I need too. to get that. I, I so need too. to get back back to that part in the book. <laughs> yeah, I so yeah. Just for like our English speaking listeners, um, how would you guys define a fortune? How did you define it in this book? We actually didn't. We define it literally on our. I think it's last week or two weeks episode. But two to, weeks ago, yeah. To remind we had them, Sultan Muhammad on. Well, I'll just go back now. <laughs> uh, I, f- I feel like the overarching social institution. Yeah. For almost every social institution we have as, mm-hmm. Hadri, as a, uh, in the Hadri identity is the Afochagar, mm-hmm. right? So like every chapter of the book where we talk about a social institution, you will find that the Afochagar has a part in oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I feel like loosely I, I would translate uh, Afochagar as the social institution. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Right? Yeah. Um, the equivalent, I think, in here, in, like in, in the West... Would be no, because community I think is bigger than a fortune. No, because a fortress can be built up of a community center. Or, but like over here, what would be equivalent be actually? I was about to say like it's almost like, like your, your group of friends your or your posse, your crew. Sort like of. that would be the bircha. Huh? Actually, would that yeah, be you're right. the bircha? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's a what's the equivalent here that we can kind of connect it to? A com- not a, a committee. rotary club. A rotary club. I guess a club. Yeah. Uh, would would a club? <laughs> be yeah it's like a club that you have Maybe. and i'm just like thinking of my mom and her <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know what they do they do be giving themselves names and stuff too though it's kind of cute. they're very fun names yeah. they are yeah. yeah they actually give themselves names yeah like I'm, nicknames to each yeah, other no like no, their, their club they oh club really yeah, no they don't yeah, yeah, they yeah do. like in toronto apparently we have 10 11 of Ochos. yeah and each one have like their very f- unique fun names mm-hmm. yeah. what yeah yeah so they're like gangs Basically. Yeah, <laughs> basically, because there's a hierarchy too. Like, yeah. they have treasurers, they have like a chairperson. Yeah, and that's actually part of the culture to have those positions in the Afocha. Yeah, yeah, um, because it delegates responsibility yeah. amongst everyone too. So we we have gangs out here. Basically, <laughs> it's those throwing up signs. You see your mom in a group photo with their Afocha. It's like, like a sign. That's hilarious. <laughs> but okay, I was gonna ask you. So let's say you had all the resources you wanted, all the money in the world. What would change, like, in these volumes? Like, what would you change to make this, like, if if you had all the resources you wanted, like, what would you add to this? What would you change? Not only to the book, like, what else would you wish you could do? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Because we've talked about this, that's why. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same exact thing as well, too. I think uh, the multimedia aspect, and and Mm. a lot of the feedback I got back from, you know, supporters that read the book yeah is they want videos and audios mm-hmm. and you know like something they can actually like connect the, the lyrics with because yeah right now they're just reading the words yeah so especially uh, with that first the first volume for I sure think for sure yeah i agree um and then the second thing is uh, what we kind of spoke about mm-hmm. but uh before i go into it like <laughs> i just want to like give a, i didn't speak about this so elaborate <laughs> but apparently like amir spoke to you about it too uh-huh. Uh, like huh? it's, an, it's an idea that I had and I shared with uh, Amir and he's like oh sorry and I already like I had this like we yeah. were talking about this right so I was like oh thank god because I don't have to do it kind of oh, yeah, like yeah, a docu series yeah. there you go yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but like th- where this idea came from is I think around spring uh, mm-hmm. this, this past spring mm-hmm. um, you know I think I was trying to start a um, some sort of initiative just mm-hmm. among the younger generation. I don't want to use the word youth. Yeah. Um, we're not youth anymore. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in that weird spot, right? Yeah, because we we're are. Not, uh, we're not like the adults that run the community center and we're yeah. not the youth that are youth. Yeah. Um, 
so like I was, start, I was trying to start an initiative and then for some reason it kind of fell apart right mm-hmm. um, and it was more so like an initiative where we the younger generation take th- their their role mm-hmm. um, in the community because a lot of people that are running the community now they've been at it for like the last 20 years yeah and they're tired and, and I'm not assuming this it's, they're they're telling me like I'm getting phone calls saying it's like we've done our dues and I think it's time for your generation to step up and mm-hmm. take over kind of thing so you know, in, in a bit of a frustration, I called um, one of the elders mm-hmm. just to kind of vent. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did in hindsight because the advice he gave me was actually like, it was a perspective change. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, it's like, it's like there's a disconnect from what we understand as the Hariri Adani now mm-hmm. versus what it was. Yeah. Right? And I think like a lot of the readings I do kind of connect me to like what it meant to be Hariri in the past mm-hmm. uh, versus what it is now. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, he he delved into the subject in the sense that um, he gave me a, a very personal example for him. Yeah. And he's like, growing up, um, he lived with his grandfather. Yeah. His grandfather raised him. And, you know, in, in the crack of dawn, he used to hear um, his grandfather make the adhan in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, right? And then afterwards, he would hear him wake up before Fajr and he would uh, prepare the, the the kids and then he would make them pray yeah. and then after he he let them go back to sleep and he would stay awake and he would see his grandfather you know worshiping until like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. right and then after some 10 a.m. he would go around the streets of Hutter and then he would look for the the orphans and he would uh, cut their hairs for them and he would feed them oh, and wow. then he would buy mm-hmm. clothes for them and and then afterwards you know and later in the day he, he his grandfather and his friends would go visit the um graves the graves and and the widows mm. of of Hara, right? Um, and I think back then there was a lot more because it was closer to Jalanko. This person was really old, so his grandfather was probably closer to the Jalanko time. Yeah. Oh, so wow. they'd visit the widows and they would like you know slide money under their pillows and donate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gave me a lot of other examples where like he would see how they would sacrifice themselves for their people, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, some profound stories because you know a lot of the times in that generation, that's when the Hararis first started to migrate to Addis. Mm-hmm. And you have Hararis who would migrate with wealth. Mm-hmm. And you'd have those who would migrate without wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have some some who were who had two or three houses mm-hmm. to that extent, right? Wow. Because Hadar at that time was rich. So like, yeah. you know, we had a lot of resources. And then you'd have those like who would be living in shacks. And it was a common thing to see in that generation mm-hmm. where someone who had more than one house, and when I would say house, it's not like a shack, it's like a genuine, like big yeah. house. He would donate it to the orphans or he would donate it to another family who needed a house, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Without expecting anything in return. And yeah. oftentimes, uh, they would it would be done in secrecy. Yeah. Um, another example, a story he told me was, and again, it was just story to story, and I slowly, to, I slowly began to understand what he the message he was trying to tell mm-hmm. me. Another story he kind of told me was it's like it was during the um, shortly after it was during I think Haile Selassie's time and I know this is mm-hmm. a bit of a controversial subject yeah and I kind of got scolded about talking about this <laughs> once upon a time but it, it, it's it's the way it's, it's online they won't see it's it. history <laughs> exactly. it's history yeah mm-hmm. um, where the government mm-hmm. uh, the Selassie the Selassie is um, is, is it called the government monarchy yeah um, in one of the main mosques of Hutter they put a picture of Hadi Selassie himself mm-hmm. right over the mihrab where the imam leads the prayer. Like they force it in there. like Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so it's like a portrait. And you know, like in Islam, we don't we don't put pictures of, you know, scholars and saints yet alone yeah. someone right. who persecuted our people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So everyone knew that messing with that painting meant either a death sentence, yeah. exile, 
or mm -hmm. like you know the worst imaginable thing yeah so a lot of people were scared to touch it until one point like one of the elders of Hutter, you know he walked into the mosque and he saw it mm -hmm. and um he he tried to start his prayer but like he had a heavy heart he had a hard time praying in a direction where there's an image of a man who persecuted his people yeah so like quietly knowing very well what the repercussions will be he got a ladder and took the picture down and just put it at the door mm-hmm Right, and that elder took a sacrifice for his people because he sent a message to the monarchy. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, but he took the hit because that elder was arrested, mm -hmm. exiled at Hutter, uh, exiled out of Hutter, mm -hmm. never returned, and passed away in in, in rural areas. Wow. Oh no! Right, mm -hmm. but again, like this was these were very intentional things. So you know, and there's much more stories that he told me, but like all those stories came together at the, at the end, and the moral that he was telling me is that mm -hmm. we had the opportunity to see these men who knew what it meant to be gay, so what it meant to be Hutteri, yeah. right, where you sacrifice yourself for your people. Mm -hmm. And the younger generation had that inheritance. Mm -hmm. But there was a gap between that generation and our parents' generation. Mm -hmm. And that's because whatever happened with Mangistu, the Red Terror, all, yeah. the, all these things were like people were discouraged from passing down those inheritance. Yeah. Right? So a lot of our parents, their primary um, goal was to survive. Mm -hmm. to get out of the country to make a living somewhere else and bring their families right mm -hmm. so w with that being said that inheritance was skipped mm -hmm. so all this to say is like the goal of this project i know i went on a huge tangent that's okay no um, <laughs> the goal of like the project uh, the project itself is that i wanted like video or recordings of the elders that we have now mm -hmm. and or like the goal or like uh eventually is to have that eventually mm -hmm. and these videos are is what is what I call viras, right? Or mm -hmm. miras. I'm not sure. Like they use both words. Yeah. But it, it translates to English as inheritance, mm -hmm. where we're inheriting what it means to be gesu from people who saw what it means to be gesu, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, the questions we would ask is more so like, what were the things they seen their their grandfathers doing mm -hmm. or their forefathers? So it's not more like a book where it's like information or like a, um, being like thrown at you. Yeah. It's more so like it's it's more of a wholesome, like recollection of what it actually means to be gay so and i feel like you can learn mm -hmm. a lot more in those situations than yeah um anything else and i i think the secondary reason that motivated this uh this or the about about this idea is that mm -hmm. since volume one to volume two yeah um three elders are no longer with us yeah right and a lot of i only know of a, a bit of what they have that wasn't passed down to me and God knows, like, the amount of information that they, they, they had with them, that they took with them, mm -hmm. right? So, like, I think someone in our generation, uh, Amir, Sarah, <laughs> um, would be, it would be a worthwhile project for you guys to do just to have that inheritance for the, for the future generation to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we've, we've definitely talked about doing something like that. It wouldn't actually, it wouldn't have went back to probably the generation you're talking about, but, like, that would definitely be mm. a, a good direction. I mean, with with the right planning and mm -hmm. execution, I think if we happen to find ourselves in Ethiopia at the same time again, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to go to Ethiopia. You don't. No, you don't. But mm -hmm. you know, we we could find people there, but we could also find mm -hmm. people here too. Like, I think we're genuinely or generally pretty connected with yeah. the community to know who to ask and where to find these people. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about it. Like, I I, I think that's a common goal. Like that we would all want um, to do and, and yeah. be part of. Sorry. What? <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, but I, I was going to comment on the stories you were just sharing. And I noticed the common theme amongst all of it. And I think um, the common, yeah, the common theme that I noticed is the selflessness of our people. Mm. Um, and it could have just been like at that time and, and being in Herar and, and what our culture and mm. religion preaches is to be more selfless. Whereas here in the West, and I hate to hate on the West because I know we were all born and raised here, but mm-hmm. here we're like almost pushed to be more selfish. Mm. And I think that's kind of one of the causes for why our culture has become so diluted. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you were saying, our, our parents' generation came here and their main goal was to survive. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And and when you're in survival mode, you're not going to be like, hmm, let me remember all the cultural practices I used to know exactly, yeah. as a kid. You're just going to do what you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, alhamdulillah that we have a, a pretty decent sized community here in, in Toronto. And like, yeah, you know, I feel like they're, they've maintained like the bigger, more mainstream, if you want to call it that cultural practices. But exactly. there are so many things that we still like in our adult years are, are yeah. learning now, you know? So, I mean, Hey, if, if, if life works out where we can actually facilitate that type of project, like I'm totally down to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe eventually even move back to Hutter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about no? all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sultan Muhammad tried yeah, a couple I think, weeks I think ago. The last okay. episode really motivated you. Yeah, to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we might just have to do like Cousin Connection podcast long distance <laughs> in Hutter with his 3G Wi Fi connection. <laughs> what? Hey, okay. They have a good connection good out there now. Is yeah, it? Really yeah. Good. But, okay. but, but. Um, I wouldn't completely say it's the West. Like it, it kind of is what he was saying, where there's that disconnect between the uh, elder generation mm. and our parents, because then we would see that kind of continue in Hutter or in Addis and in, in those places. But I feel like the same things are happening back home as well, where there's a disconnect between the youth, because we have to also uh, take into account that, like. Uh, economically the world has changed significantly in the past 50 60 years Mm -hmm. so it's become more scarce when it comes to resources Mm -hmm. so a lot of the youth even back home have an issue uh being not being as um or picking up a lot a lot of those those cultural practices because they're all like just trying to survive like our parents tried to survive I'm trying to give them some of it out. Okay. (laughs) Yes and no, but I I feel like in recent years they've been trying to revive it. Like I don't know if you've seen Mm -hmm. the Shawal Eid practices that they do in Hara now. It's like Mm -hmm. really big. It's a Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it's really nice to see. But not only the practices. I'm talking about like the the manners and the manners that come with Mm, our culture. Essence. The general essence of it. Exactly. 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 Yeah. 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 Because I, I feel like that's like what what are the chances nowadays? Maybe there's people like that who would maybe have an extra house, and be, just because you're our people and you're part of our community, like they're gonna give away a house like that. Yeah, this is not me being uh, cynical in any way, but yeah. I just feel like try like knowing that type of person is almost mm-hmm. like rare in our times it now. Is. Yeah, um, like you still see traces of it, like a remnants of that mentality. Mm-hmm. But when then you go, when, when you, you go back home. When you right. see them, you're like, whoa, that person's special. Like, let me hold on to them yeah. real tight, you know? Yeah. Um, but it also inspires you to be more like that, too. Or mm-hmm. at least for me, like, if I come across uh, meeting someone like that, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, they're reminding me of, like, not just what it means to be Harari, but, like, the... It's... Our culture and our religion are like this, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's this? Like, uh, they they go hand in hand. Um, it's It's very... 
if you're practicing the religion, your cult, our cultural practices like fall pretty much fall it. in line yeah. with it. So, you know, being selfless and being charitable and generous, mm. um, all while um, not being like flashy about it. What's that term when you're doing it discreetly? Humble, sincerely, sincerely, yeah. discreetly. I think that's such a sell. Like it's such a underrated thing that not that many people do especially now with like the age of social media yeah, like yeah. you want to give a homeless man five dollars why do you have to record it and put it online you mm-hmm. know like because yeah. culture unfortunately especially these days mm. gets like a bad rap when it comes to how uh, culture you mean just like cultures that that are um are um practiced by a majority muslim population mm-hmm. sometimes get a bad rap because they're like oh like these cultural practices like you should just do it yeah do you know what i'm talking about like yeah. you should just, just do it like how we've always done it as muslims but like the goal of a lot of these cultural practices is to encourage worship and to encourage you to do things that maybe you might forget to do but exactly. because it's part of your culture, you almost inherently exactly. just want to get involved and do these things, right? And like when you look at a lot of the traditionally Islamic countries, mm-hmm. right? And when you look at the stories of how like these, you know, very um, charismatic and religious figures brought Islam to that area, mm-hmm. is yeah, by teaching the religion for what it is, yeah, but also incorporating like the values of the religion into the culture of those people, yeah. And even like in the seat of the Prophet Sallallahu and his uh, and and how he brought Islam to, you know, the Arabs of that of that mm-hmm. region, like if they have certain practices that had good meaning behind it, he would incorporate it and make it make it a part a part of the, the ideals, right? Yeah. For example, shaving the head of a, of a baby that was a practice of the Arabs of the old, mm-hmm. right? But now it's, it's part of the religion and part of the son of the Prophet mm-hmm. because again, like when you incor- when you encourage it as part of the lifestyle, yeah, it gives a more it makes it easier to pr- to follow, yeah, for the layman. Because if you just came in to a people and started preaching them and saying like you have to cut out everything you've done mm-hmm. yeah. before this and just follow these strict rules, mm-hmm. you're less likely you're to reach them. Yourself, but if you yeah. take the things that you see are good in that culture and incorporate into it then it's a lot easier to uh, which is basically i just summarize what you just said basically (laughs) (laughs) i realized half the i was like i'm just saying what he just said (laughs) it's all good good, okay uh but before we continue we're gonna take a quick break here you read my mind (laughs) (laughs) for these cameras overheat on us and uh, we'll be back in just a second and we're back (laughs) so um well i'm not gonna do it don't worry okay so sad enough. <laughs> okay, so um, I know that we were speaking about this as well earlier. So it's hard enough to get people to buy a book. Well, are you seeing the hands? I love the, I love the hand motion, the Andrew Tate hand <laughs> Since he learned that, yeah, he yeah. does it all the time. I notice it every it single helps. episode. It helps. Look, okay. He didn't, he didn't start it in like Amir's defense. Like it was actually a thing. It is actually a yeah. thing. Okay, chill. But yeah, so it's hard enough to get people to buy. But stop playing with your I'm mic. I'm gonna wait. Okay. No, you just loosened it, Sarah. No, 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 it's tight. It's, it's you literally per- loosened it. It's only tight because it's, rip- it's pulling on the cable. And it's fine. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so, listen. <laughs> it's hard enough to get people to buy a book. Okay. And it's even harder to get them to read a book. So, for this next volume, or this volume that you just came out with, what things do you have planned, or do you have anything planned to maybe... Um, get more people to actually take in the contents and and actually you know maybe even implement it. Yep, um, that's a pretty good question. So, I think 
for the month of August, the team we wanted to kind of prioritize trying to sell as much as books as we can mm-hmm. to kind of clear our to kind of clear our inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, but once that's done, um, you know, Yasmin Bakri, one of the authors of the book, mm-hmm. she had a really good idea where she wanted to, um, I guess, incorporate a a book club, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is more so like to get in people encouraged to read it. But not only we read it, but like I guess understanding the information, right? So yeah. Um, I think a book club would do that exactly. And from our plans right now, um, mm-hmm. it's projected to start in September. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys follow us on Instagram, you'll see uh, some posts about it. Um, we'll take like a, a few people, as much as people as we can actually. So uh, to make for the, the book club, for the book club, mm-hmm. yeah. To would make you guys have like weekly? Sorry to cut you off. Weekly gatherings or something? Yeah. So mm. probably weekly or biweekly gatherings for a specific amount of time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be on volume two. So you know, we'll, once we start the book club. We'll mm-hmm. give people some time to kind of read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, every other week we might cover a part of the book. So there's three Like part- a chapter or something. Yeah. 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 There's like three parts to the book, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe like the f- in the first two weeks we can go over it, the cradle to the grave mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, seeking knowledge and then the social institution part. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is more so like to connect the dots because a lot of these institutions, they're, they're, they're connected in different ways, right? So, mm-hmm. and then to actually, uh, I guess, digest the information, you need to like, have those those conversations with people yeah and you never know like there may be someone in that book club that has information that we may not have in the book and mm-hmm. you may learn something new that's not in the book as well too so mm-hmm. um keep an eye out for it on instagram yeah and we'll make a post i was gonna actually ask you so do you are do you already start on the process for the next book um no uh so <laughs> that's a very good question <laughs> uh, i like how you stated that so um <laughs> so this is volume two yeah right um and this is volume one took around like a year and a half Mm -hmm. uh volume two took about a year so you know my role in the project uh, i I help with the research i help a little bit with the writing and um but my primary role is the project coordinator Mm -hmm. uh which is more so like moving people so like yeah finding elders and um scheduling meetings and introducing people that have skill sets to help the project move forward Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my life for the last two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm ready to, at a point where, like, I, I feel like I invested a lot of myself into it to a point that I think I can take a step back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe right. do what you started off loving, which was the research part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just enjoy life for a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's, it's been a long two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even before the book, like, I think I've always been. Um, actively part of the community and like mm-hmm. to kind of help organize events and stuff like that. So yeah. it'll be good to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I guess to the listeners who you know <laughs> really like what the project is doing and mm-hmm. would like to be a part of it, um, uh, we're looking for a project coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you will probably see a post about it. But you know, if you see this episode before, uh, there is a post. Like, feel free to reach out and we can have a discussion because mm-hmm. I feel like this is too good of an initiative to let stop here yeah mm-hmm. right and since everything is already planned out mm-hmm. a lot of the hard work is already done so it's just a matter of seeing it through so you know just need someone dedicated and who's willing to put in the time mm-hmm. um so yeah that being said like if there's anyone who feel like they're qu- they're qualified um uh, feel free to reach out we can have a chat and you know inshallah you can pass off and pass on the role mm-hmm. and i'll always be involved part of the project as a in, you know maybe in the capacity of a as a consultant or yeah. you know for advice or to kind of help meet barriers yeah mm-hmm. but again it's it's been two and a half years and i feel like a lot of the hard part with the structure structuring the uh, initiative mm-hmm. is done and it's just about like seeing it through yeah because yeah. you've kind of set up the framework like exactly you so now it's yeah. kind of just like 
getting that filling it in filling in yeah. yeah so yeah if you're looking if you if you think that you can be a good project coordinator someone who can maybe support my brother here and let him take some rest for a bit uh-huh. you know just message him or what, what where would they message you though just on um, the tom project page on tom project or if you mm-hmm. have my instagram you can message me on instagram as well too yeah, yeah. we'll link it below so you guys can mm-hmm. find him yeah and sure. there was another part of the i think the question right before this one where i was like uh, keeping up the cultural practices because like i'm guessing some of the goal or part of the goal is not only like preserving it but maybe even bring practices back that we no longer reviving them reviving them mm-hmm. but one thing i was thinking of that would be kind of hard to revive because it seems so foreign to us is something we spoke about earlier like when it comes to afochas because mm-hmm. like the idea of an afocha like for me it's like how do you how do you how do you organize something like that like i can't see myself ever mm-hmm. organizing maybe it's because i'm not at that age yet no but think of it this way yeah you you could like you know how he was comparing afochas mm-hmm. versus burcha like yeah. and the responsibilities and how they sometimes cross over yeah afocha is just more formalized mm-hmm. um think about the people that you typically see mm-hmm. on a, a weekly or bi-weekly basis yeah and then you would kind of just but when do you make that official? It's like, okay, guys. You have a conversation. I think like, this, would you this guys, is about time. Yeah, like, would you guys want to start an afocha? And then mm-hmm. you kind of have, like, set rules in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can decide, like, okay, once a month or on every third Thursday, Thursday of yeah. a month, yeah. for yeah. example. I think that's the day that they usually meet, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every third Thursday of the month, like, yeah. we're going to meet to discuss X, Y, Z, whatever it is that's li- it's it's that simple like that's how easy it is. like mm-hmm. if our parents can do it so can we, yeah. but like a lot of the things i think that would go on within an afocha like the, i don't know like i think the things that afochas used to be like would be like matchmaking and like um that's more of maybe like within the mothers oh was it within like, the mothers because every time i think of fortune i'm sorry but like the, the man side of my brain thinks yeah. just women but like in my head the way i see it is that sorry <laughs> in my head the way i see it is that um Afochas, their main primary role yeah. is to meet the social needs of their community, mm-hmm. right? So in Hutter, the social needs are what? Amutas, weddings, mm-hmm. matchmaking, haraska um, and stuff, right? But it's versatile in the sense that if we create a Afocha here, yeah. we can do it in a way that it meets the needs of our generation, of our, of our people, mm-hmm. right? It's like you can incorporate a bit of HPN where like anyone who's kind of looking for a job, we can kind of HPN like, is a Hattery Professionals Network. Yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Sorry. Um, I keep forgetting, you know. Yeah, just, people don't yeah, know. I feel like I'm just talking to you guys right now. Um, like HPN, like where you kind of help people, like anyone who's struggling mm-hmm. in that sense, right? Or like there, there's a lot of Hatteries out there. And I only realized this during mm-hmm. Cuba. Mm-hmm that feel disconnected from the community yeah. right? and they kind of don't really know what it feels like to be part of the hurry community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes it's because they live farther out sometimes it's because they don't really know people like that yeah and, and I, f- I feel like the fortune will be like a safe pl- safe place where people but can come without the expectation of click clicks yeah. right and they meet but i cut you off no, no no i was gonna say like about that it's like now times are so different that a lot of us are more are more spread out like, there are people who, there are, like, one or two people in, like, the middle of, like, Boston. Or, like, there'll be people in the middle of, like, Wyoming or something like that. <laughs> it's, like, how do you even keep that up? I, I guess because... Well, that's the whole reason that Cuba is even there, right? Yeah. To bring people together from around the world. Yeah. Um, and then once you have that initial meeting, mm-hmm. you form a connection. And then, you know, 
thanks to social media, you can keep in touch with people. You can WhatsApp them or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if, you know, it has started where we do like uh, long distance afochas. I don't know if that's ever <laughs> going to be a thing. Uh, that's what I, I think that's what I was getting at too, yeah. is that a lot of our cultural practices might have to change with the times in exactly. that like, in that like, like you just mentioned, where like we, people don't stay in the same place as much as they used to, right? Because of like, economic reasons and like um political reasons all these different reasons people just have to like my they go and when i say the same place they could be like two hours away from their where they used to be or the other side of the world mm. so like having a lot of these things like a fochas are kind of hard to keep together because you might have like a fochas and half of them end up moving to like different yeah. states and now you're like okay what do i do now but maybe you can start <laughs> off with like the idea of chapters right mm-hmm. so yeah, Toronto oh. has a chapter. Mm-hmm. Memphis has a chapter. Atlanta, uh, Dallas, everyone has a chapter. Yeah, and everyone would go to the closest of fortune to them. And for those who are so far off mm-hmm. from uh, like a, a chapter, it's like then there's the option of virtually attending those sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Where they will be a part of it. Yeah. Um. Because so, I, it's a really good idea, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think someone messaged me about it, and I was like, <clears throat> I have this really bad, um, a bad. I consider it a bad habit. Yeah. When someone gives me a good idea right i run with it <laughs> and when i heard this idea like yeah. i was so ready just to hit the books and like start planning yeah but like i had to take a step back and i think this is a good initiative for mm-hmm. someone to take <laughs> if anyone's listening yeah um and if anyone wants to like chat or like brainstorm like um but don't we already have that infrastructure of the harari community but a community is different. is different than an afocha right but he said a chapter. Isn't a chapter the same thing? I understand. There yeah. are different chapters of the Haredi community already. Mm-hmm. There are different, like each city, major city that has a Haredi population mm-hmm. has a community. Yeah. But that's for like the broader group, right? Yeah. The community usually involves having a community center where mm-hmm. people probably pay like a monthly membership mm-hmm. to upkeep the center, but then yeah. also maintain like um, gatherings for like Eid or any sort of cultural gathering that needs to mm-hmm. be involved. A, fo- um, a mutagar. But like just the same way that we do here, yeah, the same yeah. the same sort of concept. But that is not the same as an afocha. Afocha is on a usually on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it here, you you may not know them all, but there are like you said, like up to maybe ten, probably more, more afochas mm. within mm-hmm. Toronto. within Toronto itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's still I, that that the reason I keeps coming up is because that's the most foreign thing to me. The concept of an afocha, yeah, it's foreign, huh? Yeah. Mm. I think it's because like um, it's also because your parents aren't like yeah they're not really specifically like, involved yeah your exactly. aunts and uncles are though <laughs> I think yeah you know what that's why it's so foreign to me is because mm. my parents were never really part of an afocha like that yeah mm. so like every time I heard you and your mom doing that stuff it it's, I I oh, just, I'm not part was, of an afocha no I mean is. like your mom but like it was just like I was like afocha it's like yeah what it was just so odd to me but yeah. i guess i just have to kind of see it what it was to me too until yeah. i like i just sat her down and i'm like okay what is the purpose of this like, yeah what actually goes on and she she broke it down to me and i was mm-hmm. like oh and then you know you see how they come together whenever one of their kids gets married mm-hmm. and like their role and what they do and how they help out with that or yeah one of their kids has a child. Mm-hmm. I'm only saying this because my brother already did all those <laughs> things. So mm-hmm. I saw it come to life. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Like, you know what? Yeah, there's still a lot I have to learn. There's a lot okay. we have to practice. <laughs> slow and steady. Exactly. Yeah, slow and steady. I have a question for you guys. What? So I know we spoke about like a barjagar and usually or typically that's what the men gravitate towards. Do you guys see yourselves 
taking part of that. Maybe not now. Taking part in what? In Bertrand. Um, I, that's why I, I was. I can it, see Amir like in a morto. No, 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 no but that's the thing. With a mouthful of chat. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, like I mentioned, things are just gonna have to change a little bit. Like maybe we'll keep a couple. Like it won't, it won't look like what it looks like today. It won't look like a bunch of guys laying on pillows with coke and yeah. you know some substances <laughs> in front of them. <laughs> okay, let's not make our our dad sound like. Uh... <laughs> but in, in all honesty, like. I feel like Anafocha incorporates the aspects of a Berchagar, mm. right? Because after the formal part of the Anafocha mm-hmm. session is done, then everyone just socializes. They bring yeah. food and then yeah. they, they talk, they chat, they catch up, right? Yeah. So personally, like, I don't think a Berchagar is my scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been plenty like if you kind of think of it in more of a broader context yeah I guess we so. have technically had Berchagars yeah, we have, okay. in a sense, right? Okay. Mm. So I feel like that's why we've done it like just like naturally co-ed guys. yeah exactly <laughs> I, I think you know sarah is asking this question because she wants to start a budget card exactly. i absolutely do not and if you do it's okay like, no one's judging <laughs> no i was just curious to see like would you guys mm-hmm. you know take that up because i know like whenever i go back home and i see some of my male cousins partaking mm-hmm. in that and they're not that old like yeah they're not they're either my age younger or a little bit older yeah and i'm like wait you guys like you guys do this mm-hmm. and it was such a weird like i can't like i'll be honest i can't imagine either of you guys in yeah. that type of setting which is why i asked mm-hmm. um i've so, been yeah. in those settings in hutter oh so what is your vibe no oh you felt uncomfortable as a guest uh, yeah yeah, yeah. but you see like my dad yeah he's a professional but goer he's outside no. <laughs> <laughs> um and i feel like anytime you know, there have been guests that mm-hmm. came to the city or like, I don't know, someone's relative. They would always bring him and then mm-hmm. they, they treat him, you know, they make him feel welcome. And it's it's a very like, it's kind of cute. I'm like, that's really nice. You guys like welcome this new person into the community by mm-hmm. hosting them, you know. Mm-hmm. And for Hararis, like one of the biggest gifts you could give them is a whole bag of jats. So, you know, true. Yeah, <laughs> they, true, like, true. green tea, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Yes. I said uh, substances dried, are sorry. Dried, these uh, co-words here. My apologies. <laughs> you, you might have to bleep that one out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, no. I think it's, it's cool. Like They don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the Habishas know. Though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you know. We're speaking about all of this where we're like under the assumption that we're surrounded by only Harari people. Mm-hmm. But we live in a very multicultural city. So like a lot of the times, like speaking of Barcha, We've probably done something similar, but it was more in a generally Muslim um, setting where like a bunch of guys, Muslim guys, go to someone's house. We just chill. We eat food and we talk. Maybe do a little like uh, a zikri and stuff like that. And we just hang out for the night. Mm. So like some of these cultural practices may not be um, something we'll keep exclusive to Hararis going on at least which if we're is, in the west fair. which is fair yeah yeah because like you and maybe we that that may that might actually be a good thing where we can start incorporating non-hararis in these cultural practices because the ultimate goal is to uh incorporate like worship in a lot so of things you that like we more do. god conscious exactly exactly gotcha. so well, I, I don't see why well, other people can't benefit from it uh, with the birch god though it's a bit different mm. Okay, not Burchagar. I'm talking yeah, about like it other has things. A bit yeah, of a yeah. Tabu. The Burchagar is usually a taboo subject. Yeah, I'm more like mm. Kabirgar. There we go. Yeah, there oh, you go. read the book? Yeah, I told okay. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like Kabirgar, like the idea of a Kabirgar. Or Nabigar, be because it's more uh, yeah. informal than a Kabirgar. Yeah. Yeah. 
So those things can, and that would be like what we did with uh, some guys where we had guys over at the house. Agreed. And we did a lot of zikri and like uh, um, um, reading Quran and just different practices uh, to benefit from each other, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel like we can start taking our cultural practices. I know I'm sweating a lot, guys. I'm sorry. Stop smiling. Okay. Yeah, just, wait, just casually, just like, like done. Mid sentence. Like We're almost done here. Okay, I'm gonna get these artists. Out. Okay, but yeah, too. So like we can start taking these cultural practices that we're learning from these books and start incorporating other people in them because uh, as our population, unfortunately, like you know, it is thinning out a bit. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back, guys. We're gonna bring it back, right? Inshallah. But you and know, in the meantime, kids, in the meantime, because you know, other people, people, how many people are marrying outside of Hadri now yeah. too, right? So like, we have to kind of start practicing like these things most, with other people. The most important thing is the inclusive inclusivity. Exactly. Right. Um, I think it's more impo- it's very important to bring mm-hmm. those uh, individuals that are that have been estranged to the community back yeah. in in these type of settings. Yeah. Right. Because. It's a part of life, and I know this mm-hmm. is a whole discussion on his own marrying outside of the culture. Yeah, but I, I, you know, like being a part of the community is needed regardless of like whether you marry in the community or out of the community, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should be shunned just because you married someone who isn't Hadari. Like that's that's a dumb thing in my opinion. No, I'm not. No one's talking about shunning here. It's more of like now that that is happening mm-hmm. and is reality, we have to start realizing that we can, or not have to, but like we have to start. I keep saying we have to. We should start <laughs> incorporating. Uh, these cultural practices with people outside of our culture even though I, I know they speak in our language a lot of them are in our own language but you know they can learn too I do have to say though yeah you know the three of us were once involved in the Harari Youth Committee committee within Toronto and I feel like one of the main objectives at that time was we felt like we were so spread out and not mm-hmm. really you know utilizing our community center for what it was purchased for yeah and so we um, we came together as a group. You you guys were we were all part of the committee at the time um, mm-hmm. to try and bring people together. And I think we did so successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always it's a little difficult, you know. And I think we we ran its course as much as we could mm-hmm. and did as much as we could for the resources that we had at the time. Agreed. Um, and so I think we all have that within us. Mm-hmm. And now that we're adults with probably more resources, a bigger network, we can probably just continue to do so. And I feel like even within this, yeah, podcast, eventually it's going to be necessity yeah, for us but to do that. <laughs> even through this platform that we mm-hmm. have created with the podcast, like how many times have we? Uh, like we've received many DMs from mm-hmm. Hararis that you know maybe live in a city that don't have that many Hararis, or mm-hmm. they, they're like, I literally have never known anyone else. Like mm-hmm. it's so nice to finally see our people online, and I and I love connecting with people like that. So yeah. yeah. And um, before I melt into a puddle heel, guys, puddle. I know, it's really hot. Like even I'm sweating. You, you can't even talk anymore. <laughs> can't even talk. I can't even talk. Uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, finish off with, or like, you closing know, remarks. closing, closing remarks. remarks, where they can find you, all that stuff? I think it's just a shout out to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like with a lot of the initiatives that I'm involved in, I just naturally gravitate to the front of that initiative. Right. And like the, that initiative is associated with me. But in all honesty, like without the team, like it's the team is the, are the ones that put in the hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, uh, we had seven researchers. Um, maybe you should give them a shout out now. Yeah. <laughs> mention all their names. Um, so, uh, you know, you want to give people their flowers because a lot, a lot of work went into this. And, you know, I want to make sure that everyone's recognized for their efforts. Oh, no. Um, so, you know, the author is like Sara Duri. 
And I think this is where that's this is the whole Afocha thing comes into virtually, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, Saraduri, uh, I apologize in advance, but for putting you out there like that. <laughs> uh, but she she lives in Australia in Perth, mm-hmm. and there's no Gaisu people there. Mm-hmm. And that's where her motivation to be part of this project came from because she didn't really grow up around Gaysu people, mm-hmm. but she has this profound love and uh, and um, admiration. appreciation, admiration mm-hmm. for her culture, right? So, you know, she reached out at a time where she, we needed someone and she did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. So she's one of the primary authors of the book. And then Yasmin Bakri, the co-author as well too, who did a lot of, um, you know, not only the writing, but helped me with the project coordination side as well too. Every mm-hmm. time I had a hiccup, like... She was there to consult and kind of overcome them. Yeah. And I think the fact that she's an engineer helps because that's what engineers do. They problem solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a shout out to uh, Dalia Ismail as well, too, because, you know, that's our illustrator. Um, All the art you see on these covers. and everything Exactly. Like mm-hmm. and Even what, within the book. Too. Oh, yeah. Within the book as well. It, it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Within the book as well, too. It's like she was very patient with us and <laughs> yeah. her patience helped us get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and to the point that she actually donated a picture, uh, one of the illustrations in this book for us. Um, oh, wow. oh really? Yeah. Just because we had a really good experience with volume one and mm-hmm. we can't thank her enough because, you know, it really helped with our budget and very kind hearted, hearted person. So huge mm-hmm. shout out to Dalia Smith. And, um, you know, I encourage everyone to have a look at her Instagram and, and support because she has a lot of beautiful paintings mm-hmm. outside of the Threads of Memory project that are very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Abbas Muhammad um, from, from Toronto and Tanya Shash from Toronto. They dealt with like a lot of the administration, right? So a lot of the book uh, shipments, that's Abbas. A lot of the emails responses are Abbas. Mm-hmm. You've and seen Abbas before, guys. He's oh, yeah. uh, from He's our uh, Men Don't Cheat podcast. Black Men Don't, Black cheat. Men Don't <laughs> cheat podcast, part one. <laughs> Part two coming out maybe two years from now. <laughs> never. <laughs> literally never. <laughs> and then Tanya Shash, like the post, Instagram, mm-hmm. um, like they took off such a huge burden off of my shoulders mm-hmm. so that I can focus on the book. And like, you know, this project wouldn't be possible without them. And mm-hmm. a, a shout out to the researchers, Nabil Abdullahi, Amin Ahmed, Sabri Ali, uh, Sitra Diab, Hamdi Saadi, Tasneem Saadi, and Sabrina Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the oral resources or the oral sources um, that are all over the Hari diaspora is there uh, Amir Ali Akin. I think he does a, deserves a very, very big shout out. So the conversation that I mentioned earlier in the podcast where I went to Hutter and spoke to a professor, mm-hmm. it's him. And like a lot of the content of the books comes from him and he's a huge wealth and resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really deserves his flowers. And um, Amina Harun, Khasna uh, Aini Ali Bakri. My auntie. That's my dad. That's her dad. <laughs> Literally uh, in the next room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on getting him on here, guys. Yeah. One day. Inshallah. Um, may Allah have mercy on him. He passed away before yeah. this book was published. But he's mm-hmm. not only a source for uh, of information, but like he was a motivation as well too for to keep this project going. Azar uh, Abdul Hamid Muhammad. Uh, is there Ramadan Abdul Abdullahi? Uh, is there Hamza Dulul? Is there Ahmed Abdullahi? I mean, is that? Mm-hmm. And Hamza is my uncle. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I apologize in advance because I wasn't wearing my glasses when I read that. So if I messed up any names, <laughs> uh, please forgive me. <laughs> but you know, a, a really big shout out to everyone who helped with this project. And you know, you've been—they've been a part of preserving what it means to be Hadri for the future generations. And mm-hmm. I think that's big of enough. Of, of, a, of a reward and my my compliments and my shout outs so 
Yeah, shout yeah. out to I'm all grateful. the things. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and then to um, the supporters, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. I think as a as a supporter, mm-hmm. um, this initiative is something that, you know, I'm sure a lot of us are grateful for and thankful mm-hmm. that you guys have even taken it, take it, taken it on. Oh my God, I can't speak. <laughs> um, so it's much, appre- much appreciated. And, you know, just know that your hard work for the whole team, the researchers, the ones that were um, interviewed, the coordinators, the authors, the illustrators, like everyone that's involved in th- with this project, it's like you guys should also feel really proud of yourselves. And, you know, I can see how the lessons that you've learned and what you're trying to emulate in terms of the stories, being mm. selflessness, preserving the culture, reviving it even, I would say, yep, in some you. aspects. So kudos to you guys, yeah, all of thank you. you. Appreciate <laughs> it. And if you'd like to support, make sure to go to uh, tomproject.ca to uh, purchase yourself a book. And you can also, can you still purchase prints as well? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we have limited supplies and we're really, we're really trying to push them. So as of next week, Mm-hmm. or when you guys publish it will be next week yeah um you know prices will be reduced so please help us you know clear our inventory yeah so you can buy a print of a lot of the illustrations you see on the project on the books themselves i mean mm-hmm. um and also you can follow hassan at uh tom project is it just tom project or t-o-m project o dot m dot underscore project yeah exactly gotcha. <laughs> underscore yeah. project at uh on instagram and uh yeah if you guys you know like this episode let us know in the comments and uh, we'll see y'all next Next week week. Bye. bye everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.